Well, good morning. I'm Jerry Bates, and um, let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask, uh, we lift ourselves up to you, and as we begin to look into your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would bring it to life, that your Holy Spirit would enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that what we see in your word is not merely intellectual knowledge, but becomes heart knowledge so that we know that we know. Lord, I also ask for myself that you would put your words in my mouth uh, so that we don't have to hear me. We come to hear you, and you're the one we want to hear. Lord Jesus, we commit this time to you, and we ask it all in your name for your honor and glory. Amen. All right. Well, um, um, I'm not saying anything that's not known by everybody, uh, and that is that the year 2020 was a rugged year. Uh, it was extremely difficult, and I would suggest that the pandemic itself has had collateral issues uh, that have uh, been born out of it such that we will not be uh, going back the way we were before. Uh, it is not going to be business as usual the way it was in 2019. The COVID-19 problem uh, has uh, not only uh, spread worldwide, but in every country, and particularly in our nation, it has caused a loss of jobs, uh, severe economic difficulty for many people. Uh, for many folks, uh, uh, people in this church, whereas before in the early parts of the pandemic, I knew hardly anybody that had uh, COVID. I now know lots of people that have had it. Family members have had it. Uh, you know people that have had it. People have lost loved ones over it. Uh, it has been a really uh, tragic uh, situation. But in addition to COVID, uh, we've got political unrest like we never have known before. Uh, now, I was born right after the Civil War, so I can't give you an understanding <laughs> about what unrest was like then. But it's a different kind of unrest. It's a division that's very different. It's a division that's actually, at its roots, is spiritual. We are seeing political divides uh, of deep division, we are seeing violence, we're seeing rioting, anger and hatred that is being expressed by both sides. Uh, it's not limited to one side or the other. Uh, and far more significant is the spiritual implications of 2020. Uh, because you see a rising uh, ungodliness in the nation in this sense. And this is not limited to 2020. It's been ongoing. But today, in 2020, we see a cultural acceptability of ungodliness uh, like I think we've not seen before. And when ungodliness increases, the result of that is hostility toward the godly, a hostility toward the church. And that has started a while back. But in particular, in July of this year, for example, the state of Virginia passed what is known as the Virginia Values Act. And that is that churches may not refuse to hire people who hold directly opposite positions uh, and hold to very different convictions uh, of that church. In other words, for example, you... Uh, 
a, a, an evangelical church would not be entitled to refuse to hire somebody who would, let's say, is the, an LGBT, uh, whose sexual orientation would contradict the convictions of that church. In Virginia, you refuse to hire that person, and it will be a $100,000 fine. Now, that is blatantly unconstitutional under the First Amendment. It is also blatantly unconstitutional of Virginia's state constitution. And lawsuits have been filed uh, against that uh, statute, and it may well be struck down. But the point is that it was even passed is a significant issue. It is a slap in the face uh, of the church. And, of course, we're getting all kinds of depressing uh, predictions about 2021 uh, and um, you know some pundits and political experts are saying the darkest days are yet ahead of us and alright let me tell you I don't know what 2021 holds but I do know this the kingdom of Jesus is coming closer and God has control uh, even of this Nothing is too difficult for him. Uh, he says in Jeremiah twenty-seven seventeen, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Nothing is too difficult for me. And I like the way the living says it. It's easy for me. Uh, and that's what it is. And that's what we have to see. And that's what we have to know. So what I want to do is I want to give you some provisions, some, I'm sorry, some passages, verses, if you will, to, to, for 2021. Not that you would just simply read them and say, oh, isn't that nice? But I, I'm giving them to you to meditate on, but also to begin to apply. And you will see what I mean when I read it. First, let's start with Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Uh, Psalm 32 uh, Chapter, uh, chapter 32, verse 6. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they will not reach him. Now, in the Old Testament, flood often is symbolic of judgment. And some translations of this particular verse do call it judgment. Uh, when judgment comes, they will not reach him. Another another uh, verse is that you want to really hold on to is Psalm thirty one fifteen. Your times are in my hands, or my times are in your hands. I think is the way the verse actually reads. It should be up there. My times are in your hand. In other words, you are living in the time in which you live because He put you there. Okay, and for the Christian. It also applies not to times only, but to timing. Nothing will happen to the Christian by chance because he is the one who is in control. Uh, now, one of the great things that I think in the church here uh, that has begun in 2020, not that it didn't exist before, but I think there's been a tremendous increase in prayer for revival. Not simply revival in this nation, but revival across the world. And I see that increasing, and I think it's been increasing in other churches. Uh, I think churches have been waking up, and I think 2020 was a wake-up call for a lot of churches. And when churches wake up, the devil doesn't like that. 
Uh, and what you're going to, what you're seeing, I think, is a, an increase in prayer uh, for revival. Um, but what in these verses I'm giving you, what I'm saying is the church has got to be prepared first. If revival comes, it is going to start here. It's going to start with you. And so it is necessary that we be prepared uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, that we be prepared spiritually, mature uh, believers who are prepared to go out and take a stand and not withdraw uh, and to stand in our community. And that is necessary. And this is the reason I'm quoting the verses uh, uh, to you. What is critical here is we must grow and an increased knowledge of God. Not just intellectual knowledge. Now that's good. But it's critical that we grow in an increased experiential knowledge of God. It is possible to know him as well as you know your spouse or your or close friend. He is knowable and he wants you to know him. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you. Uh, so it is important that we begin to cultivate that, and those verses basically are saying that. So what I want to do is I want to look at the practical application of those verses for 2021, and that involves us going to Ephesians 6, verse 18, 19, and 20. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all of the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador uh, in chains, proclaiming it uh, uh, in proclaiming it that I may speak boldly uh, as I ought to speak. Now, um, uh, if he, this particular passage I just read to you, these three verses are the end of a passage, a section of Ephesians 6 that began in verse 10, which is, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And then it goes on to explain in this passage that we are under attack by the enemy, and he is wanting us to be able to effectively defend ourselves against that attack. In fact, in Ephesians 6.12, he defines that enemy uh, when he says, For we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Um, and then beginning in verse 14, 13, he tells us to put on the whole armor of God. 14 through 17, he tells us and describes what that armor is. It's a spiritual armor designed to meet each of the various attacks that the enemy will bring against uh, the believer. And then he finishes that passage with the verses I just read, beginning in 18, uh, going through 18 and 19 and 20. And the reason for that is it is absolutely critical again that the armor and the defense against the enemy must be grounded in spirit-filled prayer because the spirit-filled prayer is what makes the armor effective. If you're not praying in the spirit, 
one of the problems you're going to have is that you're going to find the armor difficult to use. And we're not going into the armor today. We're going into what we mean by spirit-filled prayer because it's the praying in the spirit that enables you to comply with verse 10 of being strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So it's critical to be starting to get into this if you haven't and to understand uh, what he means when he says this. Now, when I say he, we're talking about uh, the Apostle Paul. Now, verse 18, to start with, he says, with all prayer and petition. Now, when he says all prayer and petition, there I would suggest to you that Paul's point is that pray in all the different ways of praying there are. In other words, pray publicly like we would do here or pray privately, pray orally, speaking out to the Lord, even crying out to him as the psalmist often do, or praying silently in your mind uh, because Psalm 139.3 says he understands your thoughts from afar. So if we can pray in our minds, we can pray out loud, we can pr- cry out, uh, we can do it publicly, uh, we can do it privately. Now, Philippians 4.6 says this, uh, have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God with thanksgiving, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, notice there a similar phrase, pray, um, tell God everything with all prayer, not all, with prayer and petition. Now, there he doesn't say all prayer. Because he's talking about something a little different than what we just read in Ephesians 6.18. And that is prayer and petition in Philippians 4.6 taken together. Prayer is worship. Supplication or petition is then asking of him. But the reason for that is because you must begin prayer by focusing on God. Jesus taught that in Matthew 6.9-13 through 13, when the Lord's Prayer. It starts with... Um, it starts with, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, that is, the point is, before we ever get to petition uh, in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, that's petition. No, we want to focus on the one who has all power, who has all control, who is holy and full of love. You want to focus on him first. And that is the pattern that was also followed uh, in the Old Testament. Let's go back to Jeremiah Jeremiah 16 in verse in chapter 3 I'm sorry Jeremiah 32 verse 16 after I had given had given the deed of purchase to Baruch the son of Neriah then I prayed to the Lord saying now here is the beginning of his prayer ah lord god behold you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. Notice how he is focusing himself on who he is talking to. Understand when you begin to pray whose presence you are coming into. And then God ultimately responds to Jeremiah's prayer with the verse I cited to you a little early in verse 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Nothing is too difficult for me. So you always want to start when you're praying in the Spirit. You always want to start uh, by focusing on Him. Uh, Not only is it how we become strong in Him, but when He says pray at all times in the Spirit, Uh, What we're saying here is it is necessary for you to be moving in communion with him uh, constantly. 
Now, granted, you've, your mind is taken up with other things when you're working, but you want to develop the habit of continual communion with him in prayer, in the Spirit, because that is the way we maintain intimacy in our fellowship and, frankly, the measure of a Christian life and the, the effectiveness and maturity of it can be measured by its prayer time. Uh, because we want to continually be walking in intimacy with him. Um, in fact, Philippians 3.10 says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. In other words, the desire is to know him, not just about him, uh, but to know him. Now, notice that, too, what he also says uh, is that uh, that little phrase, pray at all times, Now, the second one, in the Spirit. Now, what do we mean by in the Spirit? Now, the great uh, British preacher that I really like and admire, read a lot of what he has preached, he says on this verse, if you're not praying in the Spirit, you're not praying. In other words, reciting a little prayer from a book is is probably not (laughs) praying. I'm not saying you can't or it couldn't happen. Uh, but you want to pray in the Spirit. And let me say to you, if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ Jesus, if his Holy Spirit has come into you, uh, then you have the ability to pray in the Spirit. Ephesians 2.18 uh, says this. Um, 2.18, for through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. Both have is referring to Jew and Gentile. For through him is referring to Jesus. You actually have the Trinity in this verse. Uh, Jesus hung on the cross, bore your sin, absorbed your judgment in order that you would be reconciled to God and that he gave you the faith to trust him uh, for your salvation. Your sins are forgiven and you are now at peace with God and his spirit is in you. And because his spirit is in you, His Spirit brings you into the presence of the Father. You have access to the Father in prayer because His Spirit brings you into access or brings you uh, into uh, His presence. Uh, Now, the... um, uh, let me say something real quick about uh, that. And when When we say pray in the Spirit, I want to say to you that this is not just talking about a prayer language. This is not saying that you're praying in tongues. Now, that can be included, but Ephesians 6.18 is much broader uh, than that. It isn't simply prayer language. Where do we get prayer language? That's 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verses 14 through 16. That is a form of praying, but you'll notice praying in the Spirit there is a small s, Uh, but praying in the Spirit with a capital S, the Holy Spirit, encompasses far more than that. Uh, It's it's not necessary to have an unknown language in order to be able to pray in the Spirit. You can do that, but it's not necessary, and that's not what we mean when we're talking about uh, praying in the Spirit. What is involved here is that when we are praying, because the Holy Spirit is in us and because the Holy Spirit brings us into the presence of the Father, we are, not, we are praying with him. He is praying with us. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says this, For he helps us, he the Spirit, for the Spirit helps us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray as we ought. 
but the Spirit will intercede for us with groans too deep for words. And verse 27 says, And he who knows searches the hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit, who prays according to the will of God. How many of you have been in a situation where you needed to pray and you didn't have the fuzziest idea what to pray for? Okay, just a few of you. Good. Well, the rest of you I'd like to talk to later. I'd like to know your secret. I've been in a situation where I was so uncertain about what to pray, asking the Holy Spirit, please intercede for, through me to the Father. Uh, and sometimes there was this groaning in the Spirit, but that would be me, not him. Uh, and I want you to understand this too, that feelings are not the, uh, not the indication that you're praying in the Spirit. Feelings can occur praying in the Spirit, but that is not the basis of praying in the Spirit. When the Spirit is praying for us and through us, the Spirit is prompting us to pray. Have any of you ever felt prompted to pray? I'll bet you have. I've had God say to me, I want you to pray about this, or I feel this sense that I need to pray. And what happens is if I ignore that, the next thing I know, that prompting has gone away and it doesn't come back. It's important to respond to a prompting when you get it. He prompts us to pray. He will prompt us on what to pray. Uh, and he will order our minds, uh, and he will direct our prayer, and he will empower our prayers. Uh, in fact, there have been times when I didn't know what to pray, and I have asked God, what do you want me to pray? And I've had him tell me. And when he tells me, then I don't pray if it be your will. I pray, bring to pass what you have told me you want to do. But it is the Holy Spirit that will order your prayer, who will prompt you to pray, who will tell you what to pray. That doesn't mean you can't pray according to your own understanding. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying when we pray in the Spirit, the Spirit often is active with us. And the better you know God, and the more you know him, the more sensitive you become to his promptings. In fact, I'm finding, thank God, that he is prompting me in my work. It, not just praying, but when I'm at work in the office, he'll prompt me. He's told me, don't forget to do that. And then I forget. And then a little later, you forgot, don't forget to do this. I know it's him. I've had him prompt me to do things, and amazingly, what happens when I obey the prompting? Everybody with me on this? Okay. All right. Now, there is a point where the Holy Spirit can actually so take over that you're sort of set free and caught up in the Spirit. That happens, too. Uh, and sometimes you lose track of time. Uh, does it happen every time? No. If it doesn't happen, does it mean you're not praying in the Spirit? No. But sometimes when you're actively, deeply involved in that prayer, he will actually come in and set you free and start moving through you and praying through you. It's, it's a marvelous thing to happen, have happened, but it's not necessarily just that praying in the Spirit. Because we pray in the Spirit because we have the Spirit. And otherwise, you couldn't. You couldn't pray. Okay. One other thing, too, and that is, uh, he says, be alert in perseverance in prayer for petitions for all of the saints. In other words, it's okay to pray in the Spirit for yourself. But what Paul is telling us here is we need to be involved praying for each other. 
because the problem is when we just pray for ourselves, it's easy to get caught up in the corner and see the problems enlarged, and it's all about me and all about my problems. But if I am praying for all of the saints, then my focus is outside of myself. The devil loves to get your focus on yourself. But when I start first looking at him and praying to him above and focusing on him, then, yes, focusing on me and my needs, but focusing on the other saints, uh, then it takes my focus away from me. And one of the reasons we should do this is because it's not just me, it's not just you. You and me, we are members of the church, and that is the body of Christ. Each one of you who are in Christ are a member of a spiritual army. And the other members of the spiritual army are as much under attack as you are. The enemy is attacking the army all up and down the line. Same types of attacks, and we need to be in prayer for one another. Peter says this in 1 Peter 5, 9, But resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of sufferings are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And that means not only should we be praying for one another here, you and I, uh, together in this church, because all of us are undergoing similar attacks. Uh, And I wish we had time to talk about those attacks, but that's another day. But we should be praying for the other saints elsewhere in the world. Uh, You think you've got problems? Take a look at the saints in North Korea. Syria, Iraq, Iran, Asia, Africa, uh, here in the States, uh, everywhere. Uh, we should be praying for the brethren in, in uh, Mozambique. We should be praying for the brethren in China, uh, in, in every place in Africa. They're undergoing tremendous. India, you name it. We should be praying for the brethren. Uh, now, uh, What I would suggest is that that little church around the world bulletin that's put out, that's a tremendous benefit in telling you areas particularly that need prayer. And I would encourage you to begin using it. Okay, quickly in the time we have left, what are we exactly, precisely, what are we going to be praying for? Well, I would suggest the Apostle Paul's request to the Ephesians in verse 19 and 20 is a good example of what we should pray for one another. Notice what he says, And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, uh, in the opening of my mouth, uh, to make known with holiness, boldness, I'm sorry, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that, I, that in proclaiming it I may boldly speak as I ought to speak. All right. One of the things Paul is doing in asking for prayer for himself is the Apostle Paul has absolutely no confidence in his own ability and boldness. Uh, He was not known as a great speaker. Apollos was, but he was not. In fact, if you read Corinthians, you... uh, either 1st or 2nd Corinthians, you'll find that behind his back he was often criticized as, as a weak speaker. And so he understands what we need to understand about ourselves, and that is that he was absolutely dependent. He had no self-confidence, and he didn't mind admitting it. In fact, the greater the saint, 
the greater that saint knows he is dependent. That is an indication of strong, uh, a strong saint who understands uh, that he is absolutely dependent. Now, when he says speak boldly, what he means is, uh, yeah, it might, might have to do with a little bit of the willingness to stand up and even speak. But I would suggest what he has in mind here is that he would be willing to state the whole truth, the whole gospel not withhold any of the counsel of God from those he is speaking to. He may know from the audience he's speaking to that certain things he could say about the gospel would offend them. But he is asking for boldness to be able to speak to them regardless of whether they're offended. Now, uh, you know, I'll give you a good good example. You're oftentimes... Uh, if you're talking to people, one of the first things that they'll say to you, is Jesus the only way? Okay, well, it's tempting to start hemming and hawing and trying to avoid the problem, knowing that it'll offend them. Uh, I remember John MacArthur being interviewed on Larry King Live, and they had a rabbi there and an Islamic imam. And Larry King Live zeroed in on John MacArthur and said, is Jesus the only way? And he said, that is what the scripture says, yes, and I believe it. And the imam said, I am very offended that you said that. And MacArthur said, your offense is not with me, it's with the word of God. Okay, there is an example of boldness, a willingness to speak the whole truth. And this is what Paul is talking about. Uh, He is saying that I may speak boldly in verse 20 as I ought to speak. What does he mean? That I might speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15, that I might speak the truth in love. Uh, Not judgmentally, uh, not with condescension, but in loving kindness. To speak the gospel, to give the gospel to unbelievers is often going to be an offense to them. Paul is wanting to make sure that the offense that comes, if it does, is because of the gospel and not because of him. And that's absolutely critical for each of us. Finally, he says, I am an ambassador in chains. Okay, why is he in chains? Because when he wrote Ephesians, he was a prisoner in Rome, chained uh, to uh, a member of the Praetorian Guard. So he was literally in chains. Now, he says, I am an ambassador in chains. Let me suggest to you that we are all uh, ambassadors, not necessarily in chains. But what is an ambassador? An ambassador is somebody who goes to a foreign country and he is the representative of the people of the country he came from and particularly the leader. So our ambassadors in other nations are representative of the president. And so he speaks for the president. You're a foreigner if you don't know it. Philippians 3.20 For our citizenship is in heaven. Your country is not here. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians uh, 4.18, While I look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen, because those things that are seen are temporary, but the unseen is eternal. That's where you're from. And so as an ambassador, you represent not just the king, you represent the king of kings. And what you're saying, you are speaking for the king of kings to the people you have contact with. In fact, 
when they see you, they should be able to see an aspect of the king of kings in you. In fact, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ through, through us. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You, every one of you who is in Christ, is an ambassador. You are from the heavenly kingdom. You represent the king of kings. And whether you it's at work, or whether it's in school, or whether it's in your neighborhood, you are an ambassador and you represent the king. And you need to keep that in mind. And that's one of the things we want to continue to be praying for one another uh, as part of this praying in the Spirit. Now, let me just close by saying that uh, uh, the, uh, the church, um, the early church, understood this very well. And I've shared with you before, and I think Gary probably has too and other speakers, uh, the particular prayer uh, of the church in Acts 4. But let's just get over there and take a look at it. Um, it's a baby church. They've been a church together maybe just a few months since Pentecost, if that much. Peter and John were arrested and were required to defend themselves in front of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin, that was the kind of the uh, spiritual uh, supreme court of Israel, and they ordered them not to speak about Christ Jesus anymore. And Peter and John replied, "Whether we obey you, whether you know you you be the judge, but we can't stop talking about God, about Christ." And they came back to the church, and they gave that in message to the church that this is what they had been told. Now, why that is significant? is because to disobey a direct command of the Sanhedrin was a capital offense. Uh, a death penalty was attached to it. So uh, the church responds, beginning in verse 24, I want to suggest to you that this prayer, we as a church, in some manner, not necessarily word for word, but we need to adopt this for 2021. Here's what they say. Notice, notice they start by focusing on God. Uh, Acts 4, 24. And when they heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Kind of reminds you of Jeremiah, doesn't it? This is another way of saying, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then they say, Who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things and the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed? Not only did you create the heavens and the earth, but you control history, you control nations. And they go on to explain that. Verse 27, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Jews, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. Now look at this. 
to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. Whatever happens in 2021, he is in control and he is bringing fact, he is bringing things together for his kingdom to take over. Now, I'm not telling you when that is. Uh, if some of you want to come up afterwards and ask me, I'll tell you. But I'm not. And if you believe that, you're in deep trouble. Uh, but uh, then they say this, and here's where I'm coming, and here's what I consider really significant. In other words, the, the church said, the, we're not, it's not the Sanhedrin against us. It's the Sanhedrin against God. And, and we're his servants. And here's what, what that means. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants, now this is what we should be praying for each other, and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus, I want to say to you that signs and wonders and healings still take place through the name of the Holy Servant Jesus. They back up the gospel. And then it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, here is a spirit prayer, a spirit-filled prayer, praying in the spirit for one another, and here is the answer. In the face of persecution and difficult times, they didn't pray, oh, Lord, don't let this happen to us. They prayed in view of that, give us the boldness to get out there and speak the word with confidence, and God said, done. Okay, let me leave you with one other thing, one other passage, and we'll be done, but I don't. I want to leave you with this. Uh, Let's go back to Isaiah. And Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. Verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then verse 13. For I am the Lord your God who upholds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. That's also verses for 2021. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray as the early church did. We see the things that are about us that are ominous. And Lord, we ask that you would cause uh, your spirit to fall upon your people so that we will speak your word with confidence and that there will be healings and signs and wonders done in the name of your servant Jesus in order that the gospel may be substantiated not only in our word, but backed up with your power. And Lord, we pray for our nation, and we pray for our world. And we ask that you would start your great revival now here. And Lord, we do not presume to tell you what to do or how to do it, but we do know from your word that this would be your desire. 
and we ask that you would use us as ambassadors starting today, but continuing through the weeks, ambassadors to those that you place in contact with us, especially those on a regular basis. And we ask that all these things will be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.